service to our first speaker today, Pastor Clifford Clark from Ontario, California. What a wonderful man of God he is. And he blessed us last year just by being in this conference. And uh, we are glad he is here to preach to us and for us today. And I know that the Lord has spoken to him, and I am confident that he is going to deliver the will of God and the mind of the Lord to us. How many is ready to receive the word of the Lord? I love you. I honor you. Thank you for being here. Praise God. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Let's lift our hands and give the Lord praise today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you, we praise you, we praise you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, oh God, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's, let's give him a hand clap of praise. Let's worship and magnify him today. Praise God, praise God, praise God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, oh God. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Well, God bless you today. While you remain standing, if you would turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I would like to uh, begin reading from verse number 9. And while you're standing there, I want to say that it is my privilege and honor to be here today. We were very, very blessed by being here last year. And... Um, I, I want to commend you, brethren, and men, and pastors, and, and Brother Townley, because this uh, there's a lot of meetings going on today, and to have a well-attended meeting means that something is going right, and there's good things that are happening here, and I don't mean just the uh, preaching, it's tremendous, but uh, the anointing is here. And I believe there's a hunger to get a hold of God. And uh, the other thing I would like to say is, um, uh, Brother Townley, for this to be pulled off, is trusted. And he has a good name. And um, Brother Townley, I want to say I appreciate the money you've spent, the effort that you've put into this. God bless you so much. Amen. Praise God. So good to have someone that you can feel that you can trust and feel like that there is integrity. And um, we're, we're very, very glad for all of you. We appreciate all of you. And um, there's just a lot of good, good fellowship that is here. And I feel strength today. Praise God. Well, I want to say today as I get into this message that uh, I feel very, very settled about what I'm about to preach, and um, Brother White worked on a lot of things last night. His preaching was tremendous, and um, there's a lot of things I'm going to be working on along that same line, and I don't take it at all that uh, uh, in any way except that um, it was a confirmation to me that uh, God wants some things set today. And uh, I feel very, very, very settled about this. So, while you're standing, I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous 
shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. And before I go on, I want to emphasize what he is saying here. He is emphasizing that this list of people will not be saved. Secondly, he is saying don't be deceived or buy into any teaching that says that this group is going to make it. So he begins to list the people that are here in this group. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Praise God. I want to preach to you today along this line, and that is hope for immorality. I want to emphasize this today, and this is where I'm here, and this is where I'm coming from, is I want to give everyone that is here today hope for immorality. Would you pray one more time with me, and let's ask the Lord to have his way today. Lord God, we want to thank you and give you praise for Thank you, thank you, thank you, oh God, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. God bless you, you may be seated. I am just coming off of uh, having a real situation with the flu, and my voice is uh, much, much better, but uh, I may just have to take it a little slower today because I don't want it to go out. But I want to say this, and I'll, I'll just get right into the message today. Since Brother Townley asked me to come, I have felt this all along. It has never changed, and uh, I still feel as strong today right now as I did when he asked me to come and begin to pray about what to preach. I feel this message this strong. I don't want to be misunderstood. I have prayed that my spirit would be right and that it would not come across arrogant or misunderstood today. But I don't mind saying in any way that I feel very strong in the Holy Ghost that I am here today to come against every bit of doubt, unbelief, and lack of hope, every lying spirit, every defeated attitude that someone may have today concerning this situation of the spirit of immorality. Within this group today, and the reason that this is so strong on my heart, is I have noticed the last few years that whether it's the people and the men that I pastor or other places that we've been preaching at, I am seeing that the devil is trying to work overtime to defeat men and pull their faith down in their belief in God, in their salvation, and in their own selves. And there is a spirit of fear 
that the devil is trying to attach itself to a lot of our men everywhere. Apostolics, everywhere we've been, I'm seeing this. And uh, I want to say today that I'm coming against the spirit of fear. Not me, but the anointing of the Lord is coming against the spirit of fear today. I want us to leave here today with one thing accomplished, and that is I want to see faith and hope and confidence in this group of men today by the time we leave this service. I know that within a group like we're in today, there's probably three categories of men that are scattered through here today when it comes to immorality. There are those of you that are here today that have failed in this area. There are those of you that are here today that have not failed, but right now while we're here, you have been tempted to go ahead and be immoral, and you're in that phase of temptation and weighing it all out. Then there's another group of men that are here that have not failed. You've not been immoral, but the spirit of fear is trying to attach itself to you and cause you to feel that your time is coming. Because better men than you have failed. And one reason that we're seeing all of this and hearing it today is because just as the devil twisted the word of God with Eve in the garden and caused her to question God, but use the word of God, just as the devil brought that same approach to the Lord during his time in the wilderness and that 40-day fast, I have found that the devil is trying to use verses in the Word of God to cause many of our men to give up when it comes to living a pure life before God. Verses like 2 Peter 2 and 14 that says that they would come that they would have eyes that would be full of adultery and would be unable to cease from sin. And the devil has pointed that out to some men and said, see, it's a bad day and time and it's not going to get any better, better men than you have failed. Let's just tell it like it is. Pastors have failed. Leaders have failed. Individuals that's been in, in the work of God for many years have failed. You're aware of all of this. We're in the day and time where the social media is keeping everybody informed of everything that is going on. And we all know that bad news travels much faster than a good report. Verses like 1 Corinthians 10 and 12 that says, He that thinketh, he standeth. Take heed, lest he fall. And so there's this over amount of of doubt and unbelief and, and caution that the devil is working on to cause individuals to fail. Here is the things that I have heard and that I have seen in the eyes of some of our men everywhere I've been. And that is men are saying, better men than me have failed. Why do I think that I am not going to fail? Why do I feel like that I am uh, better than someone else or I've got an edge on spiritual strength? Statements like, I know that my time is coming. It's a matter of time. And, um, and the devil is working this to try to, he's trying to, most of all, the most important thing is not really the immorality. The most important thing he's working on, he's trying to get our faith in God to take a hit. If we can lower the standard of of, uh, living above sin 
and make room for that. That, uh, you know what, maybe I haven't failed, but if I do fail, it's not as big of a deal as it used to be. And uh, I, I can move on. And, and you know what? Some of these temptations that I have had within my heart, uh, I'm sure that uh, it, it's going to come to, it's going to come out and it's only a matter of time. But let me just take a moment here to say something uh, that took place in history about 300 years ago. It was a time of gambling. There was, it was a time of many robberies and personal assaults taking place. Sexual immorality was everywhere. People were fearing for their lives as violence was increasing as never before. One half of all of the kids that were born during this time were born out of wedlock. The fidelity and faithfulness and vows to marriage was being thrown away as more and more immorality and, uh, uh, was taking place and people were justifying it. The politics of the day and time was corrupt. The world was broken in general. The year was 1694. But the preacher that came on the scene was John Wesley. This is what John Wesley began to do with that generation that he was dealing with. He started preaching the Word of God. Thank God for good, strong, solid preaching. He began to preach to the poor. He began to preach to the down and out. He preached to them a message of new life. He preached about the power of the Holy Ghost. He preached against sin. He began to take people that wanted to do right, those that were receiving the Holy Ghost. And let me just tell you that uh, there's ample evidence that some of the old-fashioned holiness Methodists received the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues. And uh, he began to organize groups of people. We might call them a cell group or a, a home prayer meeting group today. But he began to organize them in bands. And these bands of people came together to give each other strength. They called them bands. They practiced Uh, living the Word of God. And finally, you know what they started calling these bands of people? They started calling them holiness bands. And uh, he made up his mind that in a corrupt day and time that uh, there could be a people that was going to live above sin. I'm here to say today... It's a bad day and time. There's corruption everywhere. But I, I, I feel as strong as I have ever felt that God is still going to have a church and a group of men that are going to live above sin in every way. Praise God. I don't think we need to start justifying things. We don't need to start lowering the standard and saying, well, uh, everybody's going to fail. Not everybody's going to fail. I think we need to get our minds back on the Word of God and the security that God has given. Praise God, praise God. So as a result of the amount of fornication that has taken place, things have uh, really started to take a hit. I'll just tell you this as a pastor, and I'm only going to go back the last 10 or 15 years. I have personally, being a mandated reporter, I have personally dealt with more molestings than I have ever dealt with through the years. 
I am beyond sick of it. I am, I am beyond uh, fatigued with it. And uh, I am starting to see the system begin to break down in California. I have had uh, uh, outright reports that I've had to turn in and watch as a system being overloaded and fatigued was not able to uh, deal with all of this. I don't know how many things we're going to see change before the Lord comes. But no matter what happens, God's going to have a church. And we're going we're gonna, to uh, know that His power is well able to keep us. Praise God, praise God, praise God. It is said, this is just a few in, uh, uh, areas of information, that every 39 minutes there's another pornographic video that is made. Daily visits to child porn sites around the world is 116,000. There are child websites that number over 100,000 of them. World pornography websites and visits, 72 million a year. When it comes to children, their first exposure average today in America is 11 years old. Hardcore pornography, ages around 15 to 17 years old among teenagers, 80% are involved in that. Child, children today in America that are doing homework, it is said that between the group of ages 8 to 16, 90% of them usually will view a little pornography while they're doing their homework. Among denominal Christians, it is said today that uh, 47% are saying that they are having a real problem with pornography within their churches. So with all of these things taking place and uh, all of this beginning to happen around us, the amount of it that is taking place has caused doubt to come in and doubt is leading to self-justification and self-justification is the first step toward deception and so we're in a pattern of some things that are beginning uh, to take place that we're being affected by in addition to all of that I want to say that uh, and I'm just uh, uh, talking about a denominal counseling center that's well known here in the United States that mainly deals with denominal pastors that have fallen when it comes to immorality and in these areas. And uh, here are some of the points that they have made when they begin to deal with them. First of all, this man that runs his counseling center, denominal, he has said that anyone who works there from a receptionist that answers the phone to uh, anyone that's involved in one-on-one -on -one counseling, helping these pastors or leaders of churches. Uh, they are requiring the workers there to be involved two hours a day in prayer and the Word of God. Because they're saying there's no way that they can be exposed to all of this. Not just the immorality that they're dealing with, but the sheer facts of looking at the amount of people and it's starting to take a hit on their confidence uh, uh, and they start questioning, can anyone be right? Hasn't everyone failed? Doesn't everyone have a skeleton in their closet? Uh, you know, if, if these men can fail, uh, maybe I'm going to fail. Uh, uh, they, uh, or the feeling is, maybe they'll repeat it. Maybe there's never any hope. This is exactly what the devil wants. But I want to say this. I feel something strong today. And what I'm feeling today is, uh, let's go back to what thus saith the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. 
It doesn't matter what the world says. Let me tell you, we've got many Josephs today that are not going to fail and that have not failed. Praise God. Praise God. I want to say something, and I have uh, prayed and asked the Lord several times about me saying this. Because I don't want my spirit to be wrong. And uh, as, as late as this morning, I said, God, now look, I, I, I don't want I, I to make a big deal about this. But our spirit is important. And, and I want to make a statement not to brag, nor to come across with an arrogance. But God, I want to know how you feel about this. I want to say something, and I feel to say something that would be a help I don't want it to be a discouragement. I don't want it to be a downer. But uh, I I, want to say this, and I want it uh, to say it right. I feel like that in prayer before the Lord, that God dealt with me not only to say some things, but that he also said, we need our people, our preachers, need to get out of this mentality. There is too much doubt and fear and hesitation that in a subtle way has settled upon our people. Too many of our people doubt if they're going to be saved. Too many of our people are unsure about the keeping power of God. Their faith is beginning to take a hit. Instead of having an attitude of living a standard of perfection and and sweeping through the gates, the feeling is, I hope I make it. Maybe I'm going to make it. It's already uh, started taking a hit, and the mentality is beginning to filter out among our people. I want to tell you something, brethren. You need to think about it. There's a lot of doubt among our people today. There's more hesitation than I've ever seen through the years. Uh, You know what? Uh, We're going to justify it by saying, well, we don't want to be proud. We don't want to be too lifted up. Hey, I want to tell you something. Here's the testimonies of the years gone by. It wasn't, I hope to make it. I'm going to make it to heaven. Hallelujah. It wasn't, I hope I'm going to be faithful to my wife or husband. We are going to keep our marriage vows. Praise God, praise God, praise God. We need to get back to a faith in the keeping power of God. We're in His hand. No man is going to be able to pluck us out. Praise God, praise God. So I want to say this. And I'm saying this so that others that uh, are, are wondering about where you're at or what's happened in other people's lives. Let me just tell you this. I've been on the internet, but I have never, ever, ever violated going to a website or an area that's not right. You know why I'm saying that? I'm saying that to encourage some of you men that are, that are doing right, that there's others that are doing right. And I'm also saying it to help some of you men that have failed. Hey, you can live above sin and you can get above that. We don't need to justify. We need to thank God for his keeping power. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The other thing I'd like to say is this. I have never been unfaithful to my wife. And uh, you might say, well, that's not a big deal. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of doubt 
that's creeping into our ranks. People wondering, what does he have in his closet? Uh, maybe he failed and didn't say anything about it and just kept going on. Or, uh, or, or you know what? Uh, what's going on with some of the leaders in the church? You know why I'm saying this? We need to get our eyes back on, on the Word of God. We need to get our eyes back on the keeping power that kept Joseph when he was in a foreign country and being tempted. Not every pastor's unfaithful. Not everybody's doing wrong. I'm going to tell you, in Elijah's day, 7,000 hadn't bowed to Baal. I hear, I'm here to say we've got thousands of apostolic preachers that are doing right. Praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God. And so he goes on to say this was some of the results of all the counseling that they had done. They said they have never yet dealt with the way they categorize it, their denominal pastors. They categorize them in two groups, a Mary-type pastor or a Martha. The Mary-type man believes in a devotion to God. The Martha is busy doing a lot of things. Not once have they had to counsel a pastor that was in a merry, devoted relationship with God. All of them have to do with Martha-type men that are so busy doing the work of God and doing things that they don't have time to wait on Him. Secondly, and I'm just quoting what the denominal man says and, and his results of his counseling and, and all that went on. He said television and the Internet is a problem. He said there is no way that these men can sit there in front of the internet or a television and watch all of the sin acted out in front of their eyes and in their home. He said we found that it dulls their sensitiveness about sin. He said, we found that it takes away a hunger for prayer and for the Word of God. We have found that the men are no longer able to hear from God. I'm here to tell you, it's the same traits that are happening to apostolics that may not have a television, but are going on the internet and viewing videos and movies and things they shouldn't be viewing. Praise God. This internet business is not a, a recreational time to just get the pressure off and do something because you've been busy with the work of God. We need some people to get back to a faith. You might say, we need prayer. I'll tell you what we need. First of all, we need a revival of faith in God and His Word. Praise God. Here's the other thing that they found. Two, two points. Secondly, the men got hurt some way and never did deal with it. The self-justification of not being willing to deal with their offense by the church, a board, a marriage, a neighboring pastor, whatever it is, led to deception. 
And so the deception that they got into once an affair got going was, I'll repent every time. And so, uh, you know, it goes on, but at least I'm repenting. That's why there's a time that we need to confess our faults one to another. Because there's a time we, uh, you are not going to be able to get out of a snare that you have gotten into. Secondly, weird thoughts. You might say, this is way out there. I'm here to tell you it wouldn't surprise me if I'm preaching to someone today who's already thought this. It's the will of God her and I are together. God forgave us, but we're going to do, do it again. It must be okay because I still feel the anointing. And last, I do so much for God. And I have spent a lot of time in prayer and I've heard from God that God is making a special exception for me. You might say, that's far out. That's already working in our ranks. If we do not deal with some of these areas, it's going to lead to weird, weird things. Already many, many denominal churches around us do not teach any longer that fornication is wrong. The latest little false doctrine I heard a few months ago was customs. And it's starting to come up. The custom is, well, you know what? If it's their custom to cut their hair or if it's their custom for the ladies to wear pants. Uh, we really can't deal with some of that and, and, and ask them to line up to another custom. It doesn't stop there. If it's their custom to kind of be immoral, you know, uh, it, it's not a big deal because uh, that's the way they are. But I'm here to tell you, that's not what the Word of God has to say. The Word is not gray. It is not unclear. We, it is not just a book of suggestions. Thank God for the principle of the word of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Let me just say something about the perversion area. I want to say this. Back in the early 90s, I'll never forget when the report came out. That uh, they were saying that uh, studies have indicated and medical evidence is showing uh, that uh, uh, people are born gay. And uh, the brain was shaped different and all of that. Well, first of all, I want to say this. We don't need to buy into everything we hear. We don't, we don't need to have a, a report to confirm and, and to tremble in fear about, well, what are we going to do about that? Hey, I'm here to tell you, according to what thus saith the word of the Lord, God is not in the business of making mistakes, playing with humanity, dealing with their, their emotions. That is not right. But I want to say this. About a year later, the report came out and reversed itself. And they downplayed that and said the studies and the findings were not right. You know which one stuck on the wall? The first report. You know what people are believing today? It's that first report. But I'm here to tell you, we, we had a revival this last year. And a young man prayed through that was into perversion. I'm here to say today, the power of God still works. The power of God can still change. He's able to do exceeding abundantly. 
Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We cannot find ourselves doubting yourself. You can't find yourself doubting salvation. We can't find ourselves having our faith weakened. I like verses that are hard-hitting that begin to give us the assurance and the hope. 2 Peter 1 and 10 says it this way, If we do these things, we will never fail. I like what Philippians 1 and 6 says. We're confident of this very thing, that the work that he has begun, he is going to perform it. He is not going to stop. It's not going to be finished. Hallelujah. Praise God. 2 Timothy 1 and 12 says it this way. I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. 1 Peter 1 and 5 says it this way. We are kept by the power of God unto salvation. Praise God. Praise God. I am sorry to say this today that I have, through the years, had to talk to friends of mine, people that I was acquainted with that had failed in the immoral area. The latest situation I dealt with was about a year ago, and it was a real heartbreak situation to uh, get a phone call one Sunday morning from a man. And for him to say, Brother Clark, I've messed up. I said, what do you mean? And he told me what had happened. And uh, I missed both services that morning. Got in the car and drove about six hours away. I said, have you told your wife yet? He says, no. I said, I want you to tell her right now while I'm driving there. And be in touch with me as soon as you do. It, it, it's a heartbreak. It's a heartache. And I want to tell you something. This is what I'm here to say today. I'm here to say that if you're here and you have failed in the immoral area, I want to give you hope today. I don't want you to feel resigned that probably for the rest of your life that you're going to probably repeat this once in a while and hope you can die in a safe condition. I don't believe we need to buy into that. I believe we need to buy into the fact that if you fail, this, this word is so strong and powerful that you can live the rest of your life without immoral failure. Hey, do we believe it? Do we have confidence in his word? Praise God. I tell the youth that I pastor, this is the way I do it. Now, you may do it differently, but this is what I tell them. I tell some of the kids, I said, look, the ultimate, the ultimate lifestyle you're not, is you're not going to fornicate. You're, and, and I tell them, you just don't fall into sin. You have to blow up by many red lights in your life. It doesn't happen just like that. And I tell them, if you'll do what is right, you've got an assurance according to the Word of God that you'll never fail. Now, my, my deal is this. I tell them, look, if you failed, 
and you repent and submit and get your act together and, and go on, I'll have as much confidence in you as it had never happened. Or if it had happened before you got the Holy Ghost. But if you're going to start this failing every once in a while and repenting and messing around, no, I'm not going to have confidence in you. And the reason is because you're not believing God. Because God is well able to keep us. Now let me say something to the group that is here today that you're thinking about this. And this is another part I want to be very, very careful about. And I want my spirit to be right. I'm only going to say this to help today. Everything I'm, my message is hope for this spirit of immorality. I want to give you hope today. I want to give you the word of God. But I also want to give you hope today. I have never been tempted to be immoral. Now, let me say this. I'm not talking about every man being tempted because of the attraction of a woman and uh, her beauty. I'm talking about a temptation to where I'm now into the phase that I'm thinking about it. And I'm going along and considering trashing a ministry, breaking marriage vows, Hurting people that are around me. Now I want to say this. And I want to qualify this. And I don't say this to boast. This is the part that, that I, I really prayed about. Because I don't want to come across arrogant. Somebody may say, well man, he came across arrogant. He better be careful. No, I think there's a difference here. Because our confidence needs to be in God. I think there's so much overcaution and doubt that a lot of men are not aggressively confident about their walk with God. They're, they're so fearful. Well, even according to verses, the devil has taken the word that should be an encouragement, and he has twisted it to cause you to doubt God. You might say you believe you're saved. I believe I'm saved. Anybody have that confidence? Hey, heaven's not a goal. It's not I hope to make it. I'm going to make it. There's no need for anybody to leave this meeting today and go into immoral failure. Hey, brethren, we've got the word. We've got the anointing. We've got a witness of others around us. We can do this. Praise God. So there's some of you today that are in the phase that you're thinking about it. I want to give you hope today. God wants to help you stop all of that. He wants to replace doubt with confidence. He wants to replace defeat with faith. He wants you to leave here today. Hey, I'm preaching to some men today. You haven't been unfaithful yet. But you know what? There's a lot of weird things in your mind today. You're thinking other churches have. Preachers have failed. Leaders in our church. I, I don't even know where my own pastor's at and other people. And you know what? It's not as big a deal as it used to be. And if I fail in this area, I'll just move on. Oh, I'm here to tell you, that's what the devil wants you to do. But I'm here to tell you and preach what God wants us to do. God wants us to live an overcoming life and be victorious in his presence. Praise God.
Let's stop all of that. I, I've, I've never been to that place. And I want to say this. Maybe I haven't been tempted there. But uh, all of us have vulnerable areas. My temptation could be getting hurt and get bitter. And that's just as deadly as immorality. It may vary. We're going to have to find out where some of our weaknesses are and, and ask God to give us strength and shore it up. But I want to tell you something. I have never in my life contemplated being immoral. And you know why I'm saying that? Because there's many of you that are at the same place. Let's start. Let's not look around and see who's failed or what you know has happened. What about the 7,000 that have not failed? That are overcomers and doing what is right. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. And then this other group. Some of you today have not failed. And uh, you're not even contemplating failing. But there's doubts that the devil's trying to crowd into your mind. Saying, you know what? It's weird. What has taken place? Uh, how, how did my friend do this? Uh, if it could happen to him, it could happen to me. Not necessarily. I've talked to enough uh, men, and I'm sorry to say this, that have failed. And I'll just be blunt about this. It's not the sex. It's unresolved issues of the heart. We need to keep our heart with all diligence. For out of it proceed the issues of life. Mark 7 and 24, out of the heart proceeds these kind of things, evil thoughts, adulteries, and so on and so forth. I know it's a weird deal, but I, I just want to tell you something. I've, had, I've taken the blow enough times through the years when I've heard a report that I've had to sit down and think and try to figure and ask God to give me a little bit of understanding. And I want to tell you something. The heart is deceitful above all. Immorality issues are extremely complex. And it's tied into our heart. And uh, I want to tell you something. If we will take care of issues as they come up, you're going to make it. You won't fail. But if you start ignoring issues of the heart, a hurt, an offense to a brother, ill will with you and your companion, storing up unresolved things that you do not take to the altar. I want to give you a hope today. The hope is simply this, brethren. If you'll do what is right, you won't fail. Because I want to tell you something. Some of these men were friends of mine. And I'm thinking about the marriage 
the church, the ministry, and all of the things that took place. I thought about uh, the act itself. I thought about what would drive someone. Where is their thinking? How clouded and deceptive had it become that they would move into this? I feel like, this is just my understanding, from praying about it, reading the word, observing things, that it is really an issue of the heart. I can't explain it, how that a man will act out unresolved issues with some men by an affair. I can't quite explain that some men want out of pastoring so bad that instead of getting help, they simply pull the plug of immorality and starts their life in motion in a direction that they just don't have to worry about controlling whatever happens. And they have to deal with it at that time. I do know that there are some issues that takes place on the way someone was raised. I'm going as far back as a divorce that's affected some men. I pastor grown men right now that are still affected by a divorce that took place. I pastor men right now that uh, their dad walked out of their life many years ago. And at 45 and 50 years old, will still tear up and say, I don't understand how my dad could leave us, my mom and the kids, and uh, go on and remarry and have his children. Well, what did we do wrong? I'm going to tell you it's a big deal. But you know what? These men have got to come to the place of taking all of these issues to the Lord and asking God to help them with these areas. Somebody said, you know what? You need to sit down and make a list sometime if you're contemplating being unfaithful. And uh, make a long list of all the people that are going to be hurt if you do this. And the man began to make a list, and the list went along this way. First of all, he made a list of all of the family members that he was going to hurt. His wife and children and, and relatives and brothers and sisters and uh, other extended family, and that list was long. Then he made, he said, you need to make a list of all the people you've been a help to. Everybody you've pastored, everybody you've mentored, you need to, uh, to make that list. And, and it turned into a long list. And then he said, then you need to make a, a, a list of people that have helped you. People that have been a help to you. Elders in your life and parents and relatives and leaders that, that poured things into you. A Sunday school teacher and other individuals. You know what? When the man looked at the list, he said, I can't do this. Brethren, I'm here to tell you, suicide's not the answer. An affair is not the answer today. Praise God, praise God. I told someone just before I came out here that's going through a bad deal, and, and uh, uh, I won't get into the details, but looking at jail time and, and just a matter of waiting for things to come down. I said, look, I want to tell you something. I want you to give me a commitment that you're not going to do something stupid. Don't think suicide's the answer. 
Don't think running away and hiding is the answer. And I, I, I told this individual, I said, one year ago, Christmas time last year, I dealt with a, a lady, a family in our church, her brother. He wasn't in the church, committed suicide. 50 years old, he checked out. A divorce, some financial problems, and left his two grown kids. And I told this individual I was talking to, I said, look, we're not an island to ourselves. We affect others. And I said, you don't want to do this to your family. I said, I want you to give me a commitment as your pastor that you're not going to do this. And uh, I want you to go on record. I want you to tell me this. And I said, look, I was there at that funeral. I looked at his dear mother, elderly, dealing with the emotions of, of her boy taking his life. I, I watched uh, the, uh, his sister that I passed her. And, and I watched his children that was there and friends that gathered together. You might say, but the pressure is too much. I, I've got to have, you know, like some of these denominal guys Apparently, according to the counselor says, we've worked really, really, really hard all week. By the time Sunday's over, God will understand if I visit this one prostitute. You might say, that's weird. That won't come into our ranks. It's already here. The amount of it starts taking a hit on some people thinking we can't live above it. We can't fight the system. We can't fight the world. God's people have always fought the system. We've always fought the odds. We've always fought against sin. Hallelujah. Then they, they feel like that, you know what, then this uh, uh, some way justification's got to kick in. Well, but you know what, it's impossible. It's this, it's that. I still believe that prayer is the answer. I still believe that the Word of God is the answer. I, I don't think we need to be making excuses for immorality. You know what we need to be doing? We need to be preaching. We need to be praying. We need to be seeking God. Thank God for the overcoming power. Praise God, praise God, praise God. A lot of times people begin to think that, you know what, everything's going wrong. Everybody's doing things uh, that are not right, that are not uh, in, in a, uh, a alignment with the Word of God. I don't believe that for a moment. I feel faith today. I'm not talking arrogance. I'm talking a faith. I'm talking a confidence. What about let's go back to the feeling we had when we first got the Holy Ghost years ago. And we believe that God could do anything. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Oh, we need therapy. We need counseling. We need prayer. We need a revival. We need the Word of God to be preached. I'm here to give you hope today, brethren. You might say, it's, is it that easy? It's this easy. Happy are we if we do these things. If we do these things, we will never fail. We're going to make it. Let's keep our heart right. Let's keep coming to church. Let's resolve an issue with somebody. Let's make sure that this heart is taken care of.
If you think you can figure yourself out, uh, you're better than what the Word of God has to say. That's why God's Word has to search our spirit and deal with our heart, uh, the motive of the heart, the, the reasons behind a lot of things. We're filled with pride. We're filled with covetousness. We're filled with the potential to do all things wrong. That's why we need the cross. You see, and I'm bringing this to a close, but one of the last things that, that, that is out there in, in the denominal world and these spirits are floating around is everybody's basically a good person. They need someone to believe in them. I don't believe that. I believe we're bad. You know what we need? We need the altar. We need the cross. We need to die out and repent. The Bible tells me I've got p- p- potential to have bad coming out of my heart. But thank God for the cross. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for repentance where we can die out and start new with God. We're preaching too much pop psychology. We're preaching too many things off the internet. You're trying to keep up with the denominal world. Let's preach the word. Let's get back to what thus saith the word of the Lord. This psychology type mentality goes weird. It goes crazy. It gets into justifying things. But there's something about the word. The word doesn't change. We need to read the word more. Too many books. Too many other things going on. Let's get back to prayer. Let's get back to the word of the Lord. This is where the answer is. Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Glory to God, I praise you, I praise you. Praise God, praise God, I feel hope today. Praise God, praise God. You don't need to keep running around with some of the folks in your church that are justifying sin. And I'm going to tell you something, pastors. This is just where I'm at. To me, I pastor on this uh, viewpoint. Tares or leaven. People can come to the church I pastor that's not right, but I, I make a decision and ask God to help me to see whether they're tares or leaven. I, I don't mind if they're sitting there and they're not right because the Lord said, leave the tares alone. He said, you know what? Uprooting them, you're going to just hurt some other people. But not living. I want to tell you, when somebody moves from a tear to a living, and they start talking and sowing things, it's time to clean house. Praise God. And I don't buy into this stuff today. We're not to be policemen and we just need to preach. Hey, we've got an obligation to enforce what's going on in the church. 
You know what he said? The Lord said to the church here in Revelation, you suffered or allowed that woman Jezebel to teach my people to do wrong. That means uh, that we need to take care of business. But there's a way to do it. But you know what? We've got to be very, very careful that we don't find ourselves uh, uh, without any direction and unsure about what God wants. I'm here to tell you, I found if we'll pray. Maybe not. Maybe we need to pray more. I went through a phase a few years ago. I was praying every day and faithful to God. And I cranked it up about double the amount. And I want to tell you, things started happening. And you know what the Lord showed me? You were praying, but you weren't praying enough. And once I cranked it up and began to push it to the church, things began to take place. I'm going to tell you, we're simply not spending enough time in the presence of God. Prayerful pastors are not going to be having affairs. Prayerful Sunday school superintendents are not going to be molesting children. Oh, hallelujah. Brethren, I'm here to give you hope today. I don't want one person to leave here depressed, discouraged, defeated. If you fail, there's hope for you to never do it again. Aren't you glad for the word? Aren't you glad for the anointing? Let's clap our hands and give him praise.